This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In a noisy, stressful world, quiet is the most valuable commodity. And the cabin of every Lincoln vehicle is designed with this principle in mind. Should you desire a little more melody, our available Revel Audio system will not disappoint. The very same engineering that makes for a whisper-quiet interior provides a studio-like setting in which to rock out to your music, finding harmony all around you. That's the power of sanctuary. And that's Lincoln. Revel and the Revel logo are trademarks of Harmon International Industries, registered in the United States and other countries. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to another sad edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. Joining me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. The Chicago Blackhawks lose 4-3 to to the Vegas Golden Knights in overtime on Thursday nights. Now trail 2 to nothing in the best of seven series with Game 3. The series shifting to Chicago in Game 3. Wait. Wait, what? They're still in the same rank? Well, the Blackhawks will be the home team on Saturday night. And by the way, shameless plug time. You can catch that game on NBC5 Chicago. So Ooh, look at you, fancy guy. Y'all. That's not, that's that's fun. That'll be an exciting national broadcast. But man, that's a tough one. That is a tough loss. And uh the Hawks gave it everything they had and just it was not enough. It just wasn't enough. And you saw in a third period, wave after wave after wave of Golden Knights attack. And the Hawks were able to stand tall and stop it. Corey Crawford came back after a tough first period and was really good the rest of the game. Uh, The rest of the team seemed to sort of wake up, too, after wasting scoring opportunities again. But, man, they even played. I thought they had the edge in play in overtime, too. But it just takes, you know, it takes one bad little pass in front, and that's the end of the game. And now they're down 2 nothing, and it's, boy, it's rough. That's a a tough pill to swallow when you battled back and – you know, you made a game of it and you were in it. You had chances to win it and still didn't make it happen. It's tough. That's a tough thing to bounce back from. Well, I mean, it almost felt like, I don't know if it felt this way to you, but it just felt to me like the Blackhawks were kind of destined to lose that game with the way that the third period was going. I know we're obviously going to get into discussions about the game itself as we go on here, but Vegas just completely dominated the pace of play after the second period ended. And that's exactly what happened in the game on Tuesday too. I thought it was just a matter of the Blackhawks kind of, caving once Corey Crawford gave up that real easy goal in the third period in Tuesday's game. But the reality is, it's just Vegas has really been stepping on the gas in the third period of both of these games. And the Blackhawks just have not had that next gear up to be able to deal with it. So they were out. I believe the shot attempts in the third period were 25 for Las Vegas and only 10 for Chicago. And then they also lost the Corsi battle in overtime. I had just looked that up. I know the Blackhawks had some really good chances early. I cannot believe that Dylan Strom shot did not go in off the crossbar. That literally could not have hit any lower on the bar without going in. But Unreal. Vegas did end up out, out uh, attempting the Hawks in that overtime 11-6. to six. So it did, though, to me as well as you, felt like the Blackhawks had some really good opportunities in that overtime period. But you know what? It's just the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. Once he gets overtime in the playoffs, all it takes is that one pass, and boom, that's it. Game that's over. It. Hawks are down two zip. Yeah, it was a – boy, I, I, there are some negative things to discuss in this game. There's also some positives. First, we rushed into things. We want to welcome everybody to our Hot Mic Live broadcast. Thanks, everybody, who tuned in. 
We're at about 50 people right away. We're only, what, three minutes into this thing. So thank you all for being there. If you're not aware of Hot Mike, download the Hot Mike app. Use that promo code MADHOUSE when you sign up, and you can join us for post-game shows here during the playoffs. A lot of fun. Uh, and you can hit up that tip jar in the top corner there as well. We would appreciate that. If you're listening to the traditional Madhouse podcast, thank you for that as well. You can get in touch with us, madhousepod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at madhousepod, Instagram, madhouse underscore pod, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash madhousehockeychi, like Chicago, C-H-I. Uh, so some positives here. All right, Kirby Doc scoring his first playoff goal of his career. He keeps showing uh, the stud he appears that he's going to become. He kind of is one already. Uh, continues to be one of the most consistent Hawks forwards, trusted in every situation. That's great. I think after a tough first period, Dylan Strome bounced back and had a pretty solid game. There were still those moments where he had opportunities to shoot and didn't. But overall, I think that that was that really obvious shooting opportunity. <laughs> That, that may have that may have woken him up a little bit. I thought Alex DeBrinkett had a little bit better of a game. Um, and, you know, got to say, Patrick Kane had three assists, assisted on every Hawks goal and was a factor, hit a post after putting a five-hole shot through Robin Leonard's legs. Uh, there's just been some bad luck for the Blackhawks in the series, too. That's, a, that's part of things. That's why they play seven, and you hope over time that sort of evens out, but it just hasn't been the case. Um, but, man, the story of the game for me – Going into it was Adam Boquist being scratched. And I'm not going to say that if Adam Boquist was in this game, the Blackhawks would have won. But before this series began, what we talked about was, and what Stan Bowman talked about before the Edmonton series began, there it is, I paused for the beer crack, um, <laughs> was how big of an opportunity this was to get these young players playoff opportunities. Has Adam Boquist struggled? Yes. Is he alone? Absolutely not. For him to be the guy who's the healthy scratch in this game, I'm not a fan. And who was on the ice when the game was won? Lucas Carlson. Who played a grand total of 10 minutes and 33 seconds in a game that went to overtime. Probably yep. not going to get the job done when you have four of your defensemen playing over 24 minutes. And then Lucas Carlson's bringing up the rear there. He was basically invisible unless he was doing something kind of rough tonight. The I do have to say that for I believe it was the first goal for Vegas, the Stassany goal, where McMurray, Murphy was already below the goal line defending the play to make sure that puck couldn't come back out to the front. And then you had Kirby Doc and Lucas Carlson trying to go behind the net for whatever reason. And then Paul Stassany is just like, well, I'm going to go ahead and lay out a welcome mat here. I'm going to create, I'm going to make some more derbs for my guests when they come over to the crease. He had all day to shoot that puck and easily scored it. And Adam Boquist could have done that. And he probably would have played more than 10 minutes tonight. Just saying. Yeah. And look, I, I don't think that Lucas Carlson is to blame for this loss. Again, I want to, no, 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 I, no. I, I, I truly, I don't have a problem with wanting to play Lucas Carlson at some point. I but just don't get, I don't get the idea of bringing in guys to literally play like limited minutes. Like if you're yeah. going to bring a guy in, at least let him get a little bit of run. Like I, and I get it. Lucas Carlson isn't exactly like a world beater or anything like that. But if you're literally only going to give a guy a handful of shifts, what's the point of even making the switch? Just let Adam Boquist continue to work through whatever he needs to work through then. <sighs> yes, I agree with you. It's, it's just frustrating it's just, you know, you talked about the the mistake Doc made and the dis mistake Carl Carlson made. Those are learning experiences. Yep. You yep. learn those by playing. You make those mistakes and you're like, all right, next time I won't do that. And I'm not saying Adam Bogus should be out there so we can make mistakes and screw up. And you know what I mean? <laughs> right. That's not what we're hoping for. But if we're looking at putting your best six defensemen on the ice, Adam Bogus is one of your best six. He's 19 years old. He's going to make mistakes. But he was good enough to be a top pair guy for the vast majority of his season, I don't know. It's a little bit frustrating. Hopefully, he's back in for game three. Uh, I know a lot of people just jumped in on the chat. We're going to get your questions. They are coming fast and furious, so trying to keep track of those as best we can. But a lot of people in the chat talking about Corey Crawford's performance. Bad start. That second goal, he has to stop. Very similar to the soft goal in the other game that, that was scored against him. But overall... The Hawks have no business being in this game without Corey Crawford tonight. After that third period, you're absolutely right. 
He was terrific. Literally, again, 25 shot attempts for Las Vegas in that period. And I do want to make a note about this before we forget if we're going to bring up maybe some positives here. I believe that Golden Knights only had four high danger chances out of all of those attempts that they had. The Blackhawks were doing a really good job of keeping them to the outside of the ice in that period. So just real quick, wanted to give credit to the Hawks defense for that. I think the Hawks, for the most part, the Hawks felt like they were in control of the game. And while they didn't garner the shot attempts and the shots, I feel like they were controlling the puck, controlling the play more than Vegas was. Now, Vegas had a couple of those really dominant shifts where that one with uh, where Keith and uh, Dahan were on the ice for like two plus minutes yep. and could not get out of the zone. They could not get a change. Vegas had a couple of those in this game, but for the most part, like just sort of, if you were kind of background watching this game, it felt like the Hawks had the puck more often than not. Now, when they had it, they didn't do much with it. It was a lot of cycling. It was a lot of drop passes. It was a lot of passes that would leave the zone because they were inaccurate, but they had the puck and the Hawks D I think played pretty solid in this game, considering all the weapons Vegas has. It's just, it feels like the Hawks gave them their best shot tonight and it wasn't enough. And look, an inch lower on the Dylan Strom shot, and it was enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it didn't happen. And we can talk about what ifs the entire time, but the reality is the Hawks are down 2 nothing. I'm seeing a lot of people in the uh, chat, or I've seen at least a few people in the chat bring up Alex Debrinkit. I torched Alex Debrinkit after the first period of that game. His line was on the ice for 10 shot attempts against and only 4-4, and I was like, dude, you're a scorer. That line is a scoring line. You have to be doing something. And I had to give Debrinkit credit at the end of the game because guess what happened in the second and third periods of that game and then into the overtime? Alex Debrinkit, the last three or two and a half periods, I guess you'd call it, of the game, 11 shot attempts for his line and 11, or it was seven against. So he was a positive Corsi player the last chunk of the game. He had the top Corsi rating on the Blackhawks tonight at 50%. So I thought that to Brinkett, there were moments in the game and we're the biggest negative on my list that I have here. We are going to get to, and it involves to Brinkett, but I'm going to say, I thought he rebounded really nicely tonight after having a rough start. And I'm pleading with the hockey gods that that might mean we're going to see him break out soon. I hope so. Nine shot attempts in this game for Alex to two on goal, seven more attempts. Um, that's what you need from him. Yes, you want the puck to end up in the back of the net, but he was a factor. He was generating scoring chances. That's what you need from Alex to It's what you need from Dylan Strom. Though, I mean, high more on that line. I get it. That was your third line. He had some good energy tonight for the record. Like, I know he made a couple of miscues here and there, but I did think, especially at the start of the overtime, I thought high more had a ton of jump and that really... That's what they wanted him to bring to that line. Like I, I'll give him a little bit of credit for that for sure. No, you should. And and I think a guy with that kind of jump, that can be a little contagious to his line mates who for the vast majority of these playoffs have been kind of timid or passive or whatever word you want to use to describe it. They, there's been some hesitance from Strom. It's almost like Strom is too patient. Like he's waiting, waiting, waiting for the perfect play, perfect play, perfect play. And so often it doesn't come. Playoff hockey is fast, man. You've got to be moving. You've got to be ready to go. You've got to be making decisions. And he's not doing that. Now, Patrick Kane plays a patient game too. But in his hockey brain, Patrick Kane has five scenarios yep. <laughs> that he's already decided. I actually wrote in my I wrote in my notes for the game that at one point in this game, I wanted to hit Dylan Strom with a hockey stick. It was the second goal that the Golden Knights scored, and Strom passed up this beautiful opportunity and instead did some dumb ass, like, pass back to the blue line to nobody. And that was a thing that happened in game one, and it happened again in game two. And if I'm going to point to any one single thing as the reason that the Blackhawks lost this game tonight, it's that they need to start shooting the damn puck when they get opportunities. It was so contagious tonight. It was Taves. It was Strom. It was to Brinkett. And just all these guys like going for these little like cutesy backward passes and trying to find the trailer. And it's like drive to the net, shoot the puck. You saw what happened on the Blackhawks first goal in that game. Traffic to net goal happens. It's like, come, come on, man. You got yeah. to be able to get take advantage of your opportunities when you have them. They are rare and far between for a team like Las Vegas. The Blackhawks have got to take advantage of it. Yeah, and the Kubalik shot was another example. He was 
out there in the slot, saw some traffic and fired it. And lo and behold, it went in. That's how it happens. You know, like none of the goals scored tonight were pretty. They were just kind of, okay, you know, the, the Stasny goal was a tap in. The Strom goal, that was kind of pretty, I guess. The Patrick Kane pass was unbelievable. Oh, my God. That that got audible. Matt Spiegel calls them couch noises. Yes, De- that definitely happened for me. Yeah, there were some couch noises there. I got a comment here from Eric uh, on the topic of Strom and Debrinkit. Uh, more Debrinkit here. He says, is Debrinkit a good playoff player? He gets knocked off the puck easily and hasn't gotten goals. He's weak on the puck, and Strom is soft. Um I think it's too early to decide on Alex Dabrinkit as a playoff player. I mean, it's been, what, six playoff games so far. He's not been a factor. That's the truth. That's true. I cannot argue with you on that. Um, but I'm not ready. We, I think we got to remember how young of a player this is. It's his first go around. And for a guy his size, he has to sort of figure out how the playoff game works, too. The description of Strom is soft. I, I, find, I can't really argue with it. There's there's no evidence that he's not like I'm not saying and look soft has a lot of meanings. I'm not saying he's scared. I'm not saying he's a coward or anything like that or the previously used P word that we don't use anymore. I don't think that's true, but he doesn't play a hard game. He is a perimeter guy. He's a floater. He's a guy that tries to find spaces as easily as possible and get there. You saw him drive to the net, but overall. He doesn't seem built for a playoff battle. I told you, I, I'll tell you exactly what he is. I've got the perfect adjective for him. It does start with a P, but it's not a bad word. He's too, <laughs> he's too passive is what it is. Dylan, and it's not just because he passes the puck. It's because he's always, he's constantly, it feels like he's surveying. It's like he's climbed to the top of a wonderful mountain peak and he's got his hands up over his eyes so he can see the horizon Dude, this is playoff <laughs> hockey. You are on the ice. You are playing a very important game here. Make some decisions and let's go. Like, there's just not enough assertiveness. There's not enough sandpaper and grit and hockey IQ to his game. He's like, at one point in this game tonight, I hand to God, Jay, I almost tweeted that they should scratch him in game three because I was so tired of watching him do nothing. Like it just was driving me to the point of madness. But then I realized that Jeremy Colladin would just play Dylan Secura for four minutes in game three. And I got over that very quickly. Uh, Angelo, speaking of Colton, says, is, Angel- is Colton the answer a coach long-term? I don't know. I still, to this day, don't know what to make of Jeremy Colton as a coach. I don't. I don't like I, I it's so hard to tell like okay what is his actual system because we saw what that looked like early this season when the Hawks brass was like hey um can you come upstairs stop it <laughs> okay now you can leave and then things got better like what percentage is player revolt what percentage is Calton adjusting I don't know the answer to that and it's weird like you can't find anyone to truly answer it like Stan Bowman's like well you know I'm happy it's Stan Bowman I'm I'm very pleased with Jeremy's performance. Like, okay, of course you are. It doesn't mean you can't fire him in two weeks, right? It's Stan Bowman. He talks that way about everybody. It's just really hard. And you can't find like Taves or Kane or Keith to be like, yeah, he's done a great job. You can't find a player on the team to speak with any praise of Jeremy Cowan. They don't necessarily rip him, but there's no praise. You know, it's it I really have a hard time judging Jeremy Cowan because I still don't know after all this time. What's him and what's the players? I, I don't know. You know, can we can we come to an agreement on something, Jay? That no. Jeremy... Co- okay, fine. Then I won't even say it. I won't even say it then. I want to pick an X's and O's uh, battle here with Colleton. When I say that his strategy of having the defenders loop out to the top of the blue line and having forwards drop down on defense to guard backdoor passes is the stupidest damn thing I have ever seen. And it leads to so many backdoor opportunities and wide open spots for a team like Vegas who just goes, hey, look, let's draw this on a whiteboard. Where are we going to go? Right to this spot, as a matter of fact. And they just keep doing it. And Colleton's like, nope, keep cycling, guys. It's going to work. And it newsflash, Jeremy, it will not. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to scout. It's... it. it it's frustrating, man. It's just, look, we knew going into this, we did our, our series preview. We knew this is what the series was going to look like. 
It's going to be the Vegas Globetrotters and the Hawks hanging out for dear life. And we thought maybe they could. And they almost stole a game tonight, which I know we're going to get back to. Like, I promise it's not all negative. They lost in overtime. That's almost like a coin flip scenario. I get well, I have, it. I have some praise for the Blackhawks. But first, yeah, we got some sponsors in. We're uh, almost 20 minutes in here. want to thank uh, Chris out there at Triple Threat Sports, 708-478-6090. He's pumping out jerseys. He's pumping out masks. He's pumping out outfitting for the uh, youth leagues that are still playing. So hit them up, Chris at triplethreadsports.com for all your team outfitting needs. If you can wear it, they can make it. And our newest sponsor, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, natural, handmade, handmade in the USA, by the way, soaps, hair care products, colognes, toothpaste just released. That's their newest release. Mine's coming in a couple days. They just released a limited uh, batch of soap, the Area 51 brick and the Mars bar. Really, they look really cool. They're exfoliating. I had problems with my skin very, very badly. My hands were cracked. My hands were bleeding. Went and got some Dr. Squatch. Everything was fixed. I wrote them and said, hey, look, I want to get you involved with the podcast because I love the product so much. They jumped on board. So for you, the Madhouse podcast listener, 20% off with promo code Madhouse. Fill up that cart. Get some thick bricks. Get some hair care. Get that soap saver and start smelling good. Smelling sexy for your lady or man or whoever you want to smell sexy for. DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE. Here's one thing I'll say about this team. They've got character. They've got character to burn. They don't quit. They play hard. Mm -hmm. They battle back. They're resilient. And look, even when things are not going well, look, Corey Crawford could have very well fallen apart after that second goal and said, I don't have it tonight, and just been a puddle. Mm -hmm. Instead... Corey Crawford is one of the baddest asses in Chicago sports history, whether you want to give him credit for it or not. After everything he's been through, including COVID-19 a couple weeks ago, now he's in the Stanley Cup playoffs to come back and play the game he played in the second, third, and overtime. I don't have enough to say about him, and the entire team was that way. This team is completely overmatched. Vegas is a Stanley Cup favorite. The Hawks were, at best, an eight seed in the regular season. If things had gone perfect, for the last few weeks of the year, maybe they sneak in. That's the best scenario for them. And they hung for 60 minutes plus with, in my opinion, the best team in the Western Conference tonight and battled back from a deficit, which is the hardest thing to do. I definitely had that on my list of things to bring up is exactly what you said, Jay. And we've seen it quite a bit, even during the regular season. And then as we've gotten into the postseason as well, you are right. The Blackhawks don't, they honestly don't quit. Like they are a very prideful, they're a very proud team. And you look up and down the lineup, you see guys like Duncan Keith continuing to bust his hump, even as the game goes on and on and on. Connor Murphy, I've been just, again, impressed with his play at both ends of the ice during the postseason. Slater Cuckoo, same thing. Like, there's there are guys up and down this lineup that you can look at. Brandon Sod and Dominic Kublik had a hell of a game tonight. They were, at one point in the game, I think they were like 10 or 11 to 1 in, yeah. in Corsi, which is absolutely like, ludicrous like these guys are trying so hard even though they are facing extremely long odds and i know like oh there's no such thing as moral victories in the playoffs blah 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 i appreciate good character when i see it and these guys i gotta give them credit they have it in spades and whether or not they are playing hard for college or themselves i don't really care they're showing a lot of grit and a lot of heart in this series yeah, and you know, as much as it's, it's hard for me to specifically give Calvin credit for anything, the fact that this team still plays this way says something about him. You know, I, I I don't know. It's just I just wish I can get somebody. It sucks that this pandemic happened because I used to have these events with Hawks players where I could talk to them off the record and be like, "What's the deal?" You know, and now <laughs> the people I know in the organization they haven't been there, they haven't talked to anybody, so it's like, you know, it's. It's tough. It's there's no not a lot of information out there, and it all depends on who you talk to. The young players seem to really like Houghton. The vets are a little because eh, he replaced Joel F. and Quinville, right? Who's a mentor and a father figure to those guys. So you understand it. It's just look, he's got to get some credit for the team hanging in there, coming back tonight. And look, this this after the first period, I was expecting this post game show to be overwhelmingly negative. Yeah, you and I like throwing pencils at the wall and up and <laughs> I don't feel bad about this game. They're just simply outmatched. 
I feel bad he, about elements of this game, but I don't feel bad about right. it overall. I still, I feel like the way I did after game one, honestly, that the Blackhawks, a couple things break differently their way. They could have stolen either of these games. It's blindingly obvious that Vegas is the better team, but you're yeah. literally, like you said, a quarter of an inch from a Dylan Strom wrister going into the net tonight. And we're talking about a one, one series. Nate says here in the chat on hot Mike, if you want to jump on with hot Mike, uh, make sure you download that app. Use that promo code Madhouse. It helps us out. He says, tonight was the first night I, I noticed the absence of Brent Seabrook. Why? Did you need another slow defenseman on the ice? Is that what Hold you on. were? Say what you want about the speed. Your slower defenseman, aside from Keith, Dahan, Cuckoo's not fat. Well, here's the deal. They don't have any fast defensemen. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, like, they did, but they part, benched him. I don't think Dahan has looked horrible in the series. I don't think only Mata. Look, against Edmonton, Absolutely, because you had McDavid just blowing by those guys all the right. time. But he does that to everybody. I, I will say, Dahan, Dahan has been as good as advertised to me yep. the entire season, and he came back in here. I, I, I have to eat a little bit of crow here. I disagreed with the decision to break up Murphy and Dahan tonight because I thought they had developed some really good chemistry. Dahan and Keith looked good together, and then they were putting Dahan with Murphy anyway. So, LOL, James sucks. Like, that's pretty much the – that should be the headline of basically every one of these podcasts. It's in our Twitter profile. Everybody knows. That's the, <laughs> you know, link in bio, and then it just takes you a page with, like, an old-fashioned, like, flashing graphic. <laughs> LOL, James well. sucks. Ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, that's a good question. Like, how much of a difference would Brent Seabrook make in this series? Right. I don't know. We'll never know. Uh, we could flap our gums about it forever. I, I'm a Brent Seabrook fan. I I find it hard to believe, as as much as I like the guy, that he would be physically ready to come and compete in Stanley Cup playoffs. I, mm-hmm. I find that hard to believe, considering what he's recovered from, all those sort of things. Uh, yes, he's a leader. Yes, I think he might be, after Patrick Kane, maybe like the hockey IQ, best guy on the team, like a f- definite future coach or scout or whatever. Um, but I just don't know if his body is ready to play hockey yet. Hopefully, when next season begins, he will be. And hopefully, he's a step faster than he was this year. And if he is, that could be significant. Right. That could mean something. So, yeah. Uh, here, Angelo says, Vegas is not playing great. There are lots of giveaways. That's a good point. But the Hawks are facing a lot of those, give- forcing a lot of those giveaways, too. The Hawks are doing some things right here. And I know it's frustrating to watch in real time. And I know it's like you're living and dying with every moment of the game. And I, I mentioned this on a post game a while back, like going back and watching old Hawks playoff games from 10, 13, 15, when we were living and dying with those games and they felt more frustrating and they felt more difficult than they probably were just because we're stressed. I think tonight was about as good as the Hawks could play. And again, mistakes aside, they're two inches in overtime from winning the game with the Dylan their, Strom. Their puck Buffalo. luck in this in these playoffs honestly has been pretty lack lacking honestly. Like I they kept they've hit so many posts in this series, dude. So many. It's so frustrating. Like I know we keep harping on the Dylan Strom hitting the crossbar thing, but you look at Patrick Kane hitting the post on the power play or Dylan Strom hitting the post uh the other day when Leonard didn't have a freaking skate blade. It's just like can one of those just like go in, man? I believe it was uh, who was it? It was Ben, maybe Ben Pope or Carter Baum on Twitter said that the Blackhawks have hit nine posts so far in the postseason. That is ridiculous. That's I they call it the postseason. <laughs> That's a James joke right there. I'm just gonna roll away. <laughs> Um, I did want to uh, bring up one other thing when Jay comes back. Hey, Jay, are you ready for a uh, trivia question? Yes, I always get these wrong. So bring it on. <laughs> uh, Kirby Doc, his first uh, career goal, postseason goal tonight against the Golden Knights, also had his first career regular season goal against the Knights. But that is not what this question is about. Jay, can you name the other five Blackhawks who scored uh, playoff goals as teenagers? Kane. Incorrect. Okay. Savard. Incorrect. Taves was not a teenager. No, he was not. Hmm. Teenager playoff goal. Bobby Hull. Nope. 
Well, I give up. I told you I always get these wrong. <laughs> the most recent was Jeremy Roenick in 1989. You had Eddie Olchek scored six of them in 1985 as a teen. Troy Murray had a goal as a teenager for the Blackhawks in the postseason. And then who can forget John Harms in 1944 and then Grant Mulvey in 1975. Those are your other five. All right. Well, I Olchek was a thought. I had that one because I know he was drafted young and came right away. Um, but, yeah, I blew it. I That's suck. what she said. This is a family post-game show, you asshole. You said, you said <laughs> he blew it right away. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you, you know what? I threw you a softball and you hit it, and that's what you're supposed to do with it. I yeah. very much appreciate. You, you got to hit those pitches when they're out over the plate. Yeah, your dedication to uh, – uh, you know, immaturity is what keeps what sustains me. Someone breaking into your house to see you looking over your shoulder there. Like, I'm checking on the Cubs game, man. Oh, what's happening? Are they winning again? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And by the way, they're gonna have to play five games in three days because they're playing double headers on Monday and Wednesday against the Cardinals. They should just forfeit and remain in first place by a wide margin. <laughs> you are, you're not wrong, man. Not wrong. It's, you know what the shame though is it's just gonna you know uh, their season's gonna end <laughs> <laughs> and of course and of course anyway we got more important things to talk about I think the we Black still have Hawks. hockey to talk about we do the Blackhawks trail the series two games to none against Vegas uh, games on Saturday and Sunday this weekend so keep that in mind uh, we'll be here for you Saturday's a little bit up in the air it's my wife's birthday I got to sort of feel that whole thing out but I'm gonna try my best to do it um, but dude. Let's do this. Let's take a time out. Let's have our off the air, on the air production meeting about what else we want to do. In the meantime, if you're joining us on Hot Mike, now would be a good time to hit up that tip jar. The Thursday night, James and I have things to do, but we chose to be here for you instead. So if you want to help out the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it. Fund if, my beer. That's exactly fund, what it is. Beer is exactly right. And if you want to hit up, uh, if you're listening on the Madhouse podcast and want to help, we've got a Patreon site, patreon.com slash madhousepod or you could just hit up my Venmo at Jay Zawoski. A lot of people have done that. I greatly appreciate it. James, I'll be transferring that money to you soon. But let's take a quick time out here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Average weight loss 15.4 pounds in first two months. Or guarantee cancel within first 14 days. Discount with two months of auto delivery. Food charge and shipped every four weeks. Call or see website for details. Do you want to lose 18 pounds fast and improve your health? Now you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months with Nutrisystem. Get delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, even snacks and shakes delivered safely to your door. All delivered for free. It's easy to follow. And you'll see results in your first week. Just text BODY to 323232. You'll get your favorite foods made healthier and perfectly balanced to put your body in fat burning mode. Text BODY to 3232. 32 right now and get 50% off a month of meals and shakes. That's right, 50% off a month of meals and 50% off a month of shakes with probiotics to help support your immune system. Just text BODY to 323232 right now. There's even a money back guarantee. Millions of people have lost weight with Nutrisystem, and you can too. Lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. Just text BODY to 323232. That's B O D Y to 323232. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We're live on Hot Mike. We're also just on traditional podcasts. If you missed the live broadcast, sorry, but there'll be another one soon. Download the Hot Mike app, use promo code Madhouse, all that good stuff. We are sponsored by Fry the Coop, the best Nashville hot chicken you've ever had in your life. And those predators, they've got some time to eat some hot chicken. Maybe they should come to Chicago and get the best at Fry the Coop. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown. Uh, they're in Wall Street Market as well. Get yourself the tenders. Get yourself the donut chicken sandwich. But something I failed to talk about, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, chicken and waffles. Sounds good, right? Yeah, well, the waffles have bacon in them. That's right. They've got bacon in them. What more do you need to know? 
frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. I guarantee you, this is the Jay Zawoski stamp of approval. As a fat guy, I can tell you truthfully, you will love Fry the Coop, and they will love you back. Awesome company doing great things in the community, as well as serving up some of the best damn food you're ever going to have. So frythecoop.com, check out their menu and their locations. You can place an order online, in and out, boom. They've got pickup windows at every location, so you're all set that way. All right, James, during our break, non-break, we discussed what we want to talk about. And, Nate, thank you for the tip. Um, let's talk about the Vegas Golden Knights a little bit. Uh, they are a very, very, very good team. And I think, you know, part of the fact that they play out West so often, it's tough to keep track of teams that are out West because usually if the Hawks have played, you know, we're going to do a post game show or whatever, but this team is just stacked with quality players and everyone knows about Mark Stone. Everybody knows about Carlson and Max Pacioretty. You missed the game. Marsha Soap, but Alex Tuck, that dude has rockets on his skates, man. Uh, yeah, He's he does. Time and Riley Smith, uh, with with two points again tonight. Like Ho Hum, just two more pin- points for him. That team is stacked top to bottom. Every player on that roster, even Ryan Reeves, stick handle around somebody today. Top <sighs> to bottom, the Golden Knights are loaded, and it's very familiar to me of the Blackhawks dynasty teams. Yeah, that's, that depth just up and down the lineup. You're absolutely right. And the fact that the bottom six can score with, like, it seems like most teams, like, second line. If your fourth line can play with the effectiveness of a second line, you are in pretty darn good shape. I mean, you just literally all over that lineup. You look at Shea Theodore, Jonathan March. So you mentioned Alex Tuck, who I wanted to wax poetic about just throughout the game. It was just absolutely incredible watching the way that he played tonight. It really is kind of reminiscent of those Blackhawks teams. The only real difference, at least to me, is they don't have like a probably a generational talent like a Patrick Kane on that roster, I wouldn't think. Right. That's true. That's the one thing they're missing. But the fact that they can roll 12 forwards, six defensemen, and if somebody gets hurt, the replacement, Stevenson, came in for Pacioretty, jumped in on the top line. No problem. I'm good. I'm Chandler Stevenson. What do you need from me? 20 minutes of ice time. <laughs> He's four shot attempts. Like this guy was scratched the other night and they played him for 20 minutes. I don't think we're going to see uh Pacioretty back in game three. If he's at all banged up, I think Vegas is going to be like, look, we can win without him. Like we might as well let him get healthy. I know it's unreal. Uh, and you're right about that. They can. Now they have the luxury of this two game lead. If the Hawks win one or two, like, okay, let's get him back in here. Things look bad, but I mean, Look, if the Hawks win a game this series, I thought t- I thought tonight was the one, man. Once they got to overtime, I was feeling like this was the one because Robin Leonard, who we're going to talk about here in a second, didn't look super sharp. He was good, fine, good enough to get the win. By the way, Robin Leonard, did you hear this during the game, has not lost a game since being traded to Vegas. You do realize he's only played like five or six games for them, right? He's 7-0 and with the Golden Knights. I don't care. Thank you. So remarkable. 7-0 is good. That's Cubs-like. Woo. I'll, I'll give him the uh, fake noisemaker there. Woo! So great. Why are, you, why are you ripping on Robin Leonard? I'm not ripping on Robin Leonard. I'm just saying it's a small sample size, man. It's noteworthy <laughs> to start your career with a team 7-0. I frankly think it was noteworthy he kept his skate blades in tonight. Oh, you're being a hater. You're drinking that Haterade beer. From the, Shore, the Shores beer is clearly oh, haterade, is what that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, boy, no, what, but on, a, on an honest note, though, about Leonard, yeah. I mean, no, he's played, he's played fantastic, and you really do have to play well to unseat Mark Andre Fleury, who I saw a poll of NHL players that was published, and they get, they were citing it online tonight. I think it was 22% of NHL players, if they could not pick their own goaltender, who they would want to play a playoff game for them. It was Marc-Andre Fleury got picked by 22% of players. And Peter DeBoer benched him. That speaks to how well Robin Leonard is playing. So no haterade on that. Leonard clearly earned that role and obviously played well in game one of the series. Was a little shaky at times tonight. I thought the Hawks did a good job of kind of getting in his kitchen a little bit, but... You got to hats off where it's due, man. Leonard has played very well for Vegas. Uh, CB408 here on the chat. I had to go back and find it. Uh, I see Doc being like Tuck next year, stronger and skilled. That's a pretty good comp. Those are two pretty similar players. And I want to look up Alex Tuck's uh, size and weight and all that stuff uh, compared to Doc. But he, yeah, that dude, 
he's kind of got it all. 6'4". He's listed in size, but of course, they don't have his weight on here. That would not be helpful for anyone. 6'4", 220. That's mm. Alex Tuck. Yeah. Uh, we know Kirby Doc is 6'4". Let's get the weight. And I'm sure this is not his current weight, by the way. He's listed at 197, but he probably looks more like, I would say he probably added like seven or eight pounds of muscle uh, over the over the break. So they're pretty close in size. That's a really good comp. And I think that maybe Doc has a higher ceiling. I've seen more really, really impressive uh, display of hands from Kirby Doc than mm-hmm. I've seen so far. But I like that comp. That's pretty solid. I did want to bring up uh, Jeremy Colleton, obviously, was asked after the game why he ended up going with Adam Boak or with uh, Lucas Carlson over Adam Boquist. He said that Boquist was strictly a healthy scratch and that he does intend to put him back into the lineup. It looks like he says, hopefully, Boki with a day of rest can come back with potentially another level for us. So, pretty obviously, a statement there to Adam Boquist like, hey, get your act together or whatever, I guess. Okay. That was weird when you said simply a healthy scratch. It sounded like he wasn't going to be critical, but he offered some criticism in a protective way, which I guess that's the right way to do it. Message sent, I hope, to Adam Boquist. And look, I'm not going to pretend like he was playing great by any means. He wasn't. He absolutely wasn't. But I think the main value we're going to get from these playoffs, no one in this chat, no one listening to the podcast thinks that, you know, the Hawks, they really got a cup of the shot at the cup. No, they don't. No, no one no one truly thinks that, including Stan Bowman, including Jeremy Cowan, including every player on the roster. To me, having the most important young players in your organization out on the ice, it matters. They should be out there. They should be learning from this level of play. Hopefully, it's a one-game thing for Adam Boquist, and he draws back in. Because, look, Carlson Jung, too. And I like Lucas Carlson, but, Cur- but uh, Adam Boquist is way more important to the Blackhawks than Lucas Carlson is. I did like this question that we got from Kurt in the chat allows us to like kind of cast a little bit of a wider net over the NHL through the first few games of the playoffs. Who is the cup favorite so far? Colorado looked really, really good. They looked really once once they finally got going. You are absolutely correct. They did. Did they hold Phoenix to uh, like 14 shots? I mean, it was something like that. And they're obviously they won, I believe, three to nothing up one zip in that series game two tomorrow. But man, they the Avalanche are that they scared me throughout the season when the Blackhawks managed to dodge them. I was like, yeah, at least we're not going to have to watch them get completely embarrassed in the postseason because, man, that that Colorado team is ridiculous. I, I still think if this if the series was to start today, I think I would still pick Vegas. And one thing that did you watch the NBC broadcast or did you watch the uh, the Pat Foley Eddie O broadcast? Oh, I got I got treated to the Foley and Edzo show. Okay, Eddie O kept or I think it was Foley kept talking about the fact that when that pause happened, Vegas stayed in Vegas and a lot of guys kept skating together and playing together, and that they feel their conditioning is way better than anyone they're competing against and. The third, the third period stats show they've outscored opponents in the postseason ten to one in the third period, and they had their best period. They were they were flying in the third. It's a miracle the Hawks didn't, you know, the Corey Crawford kept them in it. Um, I wonder if that, as the playoffs go on, if that pays dividends for them because they do look like you saw the Hawks in the third, like really slogging it out, like really having to grind and skate hard and put the head down and get to the puck, and they were doing it. They were trying hard. They were working their asses off. Vegas didn't seem to have to put forth quite as much effort to get to the same places as the Blackhawks did. I I would say that I would probably put Vegas as my number two team right now. I, I do have two. I have questions about two teams in the East, obviously, and that is Philadelphia, who I know a lot of people have really bought into. Like, I'm still like kind of waffling on them. There are some times where I really am like thinking, oh, this Philly team could make some noise, whatever. And then there's other times where I'm like, are you really that crazy to really think that Philly's going to be able to do anything? So them and Boston, Boston, I'm also very curious about. They're playing well. They're beating my beloved Hurricanes, unfortunately. So I hope they lose. But if they don't, I would think Boston still has to be with the roster that they have and the incredible talent that they have. Boston has to be right up there, too. Well, and look, before the pause, they were so far ahead of everybody else. They were hands down the best team in the league. Um, so to write off Boston would be foolish, but um, I, I think the West is better. I think the West is stronger. And so I think the team that comes out of the West will win. Um, but 
I mean, would it shock me if Austin won a Stanley Cup? Of course not. That, no. You talk about a team that's loaded. And I saw Pasternak <laughs> in today. Jarner made a comment. Philly doesn't have Brandon Manning anymore. They have no chance. Yeah, who's going to make <laughs> racist comments on their team? They need someone to do that. Oh, There's, Remember when Sam Bowman traded uh, him for Drake Kajula? <laughs> that was something. Remember when Stan Bowman signed him to a freaking contract in the first place? Oh, that was bad. The sabotage Q uh, offseason. <laughs> Give me a stay-at-home defenseman and a veteran forward. Here's 700-year-old Chris Kunitz and the worst defenseman in hockey, Brandon Manning. But he stays at home. Literally. Literally. Because he, he just <laughs> I like how we both basically said that at the same time. Um, I did want to bring up a dark horse team, and I saw somebody make a comment on this, and I wanted to get your reaction to it. Uh the Vancouver Canucks. Somebody compared them to the 2008-09 Blackhawks with all the run. with all the young talent that they have and like the veterans that they've got mixed in. And they're up one nothing on St. Louis, by the way. Who are you rooting for in that series? Vancouver. I mean, it has to be right. No hesitation. Look, I Vancouver and the Hawks rivalry was great, and I hated them back then. But I liked Vancouver before that. I was a huge Pavel Bure fan. Love those teams. And there's no one on the team right now that I hate. Like, is Kevin BX is still patrolling the blue line for the? <laughs> no, you don't hate. Uh, jo- you don't hate Jordy Ben. No, I don't hate. I don't hate anybody on the Canucks. I, I don't so, like Antoine Roussel. Yeah, he's a pud. He's a pud, but I'll, I'll root. Every team needs a pud, um, but I'll root for the Canucks over the Blues all day. Every okay. Day. They uh, also Nate, have Tyler Mott. Don't forget. Oh, Blackhawks legend. Remember what was it the night we went to the draft? That was it when we went to the draft where they picked Yokoharu. Yeah. You and I went there. We met there, and there was supposed to be a signing with uh, with Tyler Mott, and he got traded. Like that traded. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're here for the Tyler Mott signing. Oh, he got traded. Was he going to come or no? No, he's not. <laughs> okay. But then, I mean, you got to see the um, the Golden Knights jersey. Yes, we did. Well, that was the first year of the Adidas jersey. And we, yeah, we got to see the Blackhawks jersey, and you and I were both like, ooh, that collar is a decision. Well, maybe it will look better on the ice. No, it did not. <laughs> it did not look better on the ice. <laughs> Ryan Fraley, Vancouver meets the main criteria of not the Blues, so of course I'd rather see Vancouver win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, Alex did bring up something that I forgot about. Is like, no more Alex Burrows. Yeah, if Alex Burrows is on the team, I'd probably be rooting for the Blues. Yeah. All right. Uh, two things I want to get to before we wrap up. So I, I've already acknowledged that I can, so I can root for Vancouver in certain circumstances again. Now that Ryan Reeves is not on the Blues, do you kind of like him? Uh, it's hit or miss. I think I would like him if he was on my team, but there are still times where... Oh, wait, no. I actually I had something about this. I don't know if you noticed, but one of the things that Vegas has been doing on face-offs, if Ryan Reeves is on the ice and Jonathan Taves is on the ice, I think it's happened twice, they'll tie up Taves in the circle, and Reeves will come in and hit him and knock him over so that they get the puck. Just bulldoze him. That's exactly what they're doing. I saw multiple gifts of that, and I was like, I don't like that dude. That sucks. Do you know that he's only 6'2", 225? He certainly plays more like 6'9", 320. That guy just plays so above his weight. And I know he's jacked. That's part of it. But he just looks like like a monster out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's above average in size, but like he's two inches shorter than Kirby Doc. I don't know. I, I started like Ryan Reeves. And I think part of it was uh, him and Leonard uh, after the um, anthem thing. I thought I, I think Reeves is a really smart dude. And I've seen some like social media stuff with Vegas and him. And he seems like a funny guy and a smart dude. So I like I'm starting to like Ryan Reeves. And the other thing is, I'm going to say something controversial. All right. You, you like the Detroit Red Wings. We know. No, I don't think that Kirby that uh, Alex Nylander had a bad game today. I don't think he had a good game. Well, I think he, how many shots on goal did he have? He had a couple, made a nice back check. He did finish minus two. He only had one shot on goal. That, that I don't think that. He great. also passed up another freaking opportunity on the edge, Jay. Let's not forget that. That He's is still in, doing that. That is clearly written in every Blackhawks contract that you must pass up a chance to shoot at least twice a game. I made so a comment that they they, stopped, they started tanking for Al, Al, Alexis Lafreniere way too late. Uh... We have not talked about that at all yet. The Rangers getting the top overall pick. Do we want to talk about that? Who is their GM? Why am I blank? Jeff Gorton, not the not the NASCAR racer who calls it Wrigley Stadium, and also Jeff- not the uh, fisherman. 
Jeff Gorton. Here was his reaction to getting the number one overall pick. Ready? This is for the hot mic people. And it wasn't cool. just the Zoom meeting. He just uh, was literally like this. <laughs> he just sat there like mouth agape. Like, oh yeah, we're really excited. Uh we're you know, you know, we're gonna draft a Lafreniere and it's gonna be really good. And uh, it's like, dude, you just got the number one overall pick with a huge prospect that everyone would that's like the consensus number one. And he's like, What? What? What happened? It's like he was sleeping. It was weird. If of course, if Stan Bowman got the number one pick, he would have done the same thing. But it was just funny. Like, how do you not react? How do you not have like any sort of joy? I just remember Jerry Krause. Remember, like uh, jiggling and gyrating when they. Which pick was that? It wasn't. Uh, was it the? Channel? I think it could have been any of them. He had his lucky penny, and he whatever happened, he won. So he started shaking the penny, and it was like, like gelatinously. I can say this. I'm a fat guy. I can make these jokes. <laughs> Well, he's um, also dead, so you're making fun of the deceased. Damn it. I'm, I'm the worst. All right, well, now that I made fun of a dead person, we should probably tie a bow on this podcast, huh? I think so. And let's, our very proud sponsor, Mariska's in Crest Hill. Yeah, this <laughs> is a good way to transition into this. Yeah. <laughs> Family owned and operated since 1933. Go get yourself the world famous poor boy. The steaks, the chops, the seafood, the onion rings, the twice baked potato. Oh, the twice baked potato. Man, am I craving that. I want that so badly. James, the Hawks will be eliminated soon. We're making golf plans out in the Crest Hill area. So go visit Joe Zadralovich. That was good. I didn't mess it up that time. And his family at Mershka's. Again, 604 Theater Street. They're only they're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go visit them. Tell them the Madhouse Podcast sent you. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. Still a couple more minutes. If you want to hit up that tip jar, we would greatly appreciate it. If you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash madhousepod. A couple bucks a month goes a long way if enough people do it. And uh, Venmo at Jay Zawoski if you want to do it that way. But whatever you want to do, we appreciate it. It's not an expectation, but uh, if you got a couple extra bucks, we could use them. That's certainly true. With that, we're going to wrap things up. We'll talk to you on Saturday, probably, if I can convince my wife to let me do it. We'll see. My wife. But if not, we'll talk to you on a normal podcast uh, Sunday morning, and then uh, you know we'll do a proper post game Sunday night, hopefully with some more hockey beyond that. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago and watching Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. For the one standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com/safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.